I find myself trying to diffuse the situation so I feel comfortable rather than the situation being made comfortable for me. Yeah. But I definitely spend more time like ooh, warming up the place, like trying to create an environment for myself so I do feel comfortable to talk about what I'm about to talk about. listening to the Swedish podcast hosted by Jill Leckie and Kat Trigarski in conversations about the paradox of life between two cultures. I am delighted to welcome Anita Suster onto the podcast this week. She is an Australian originally from Melbourne and she now lives in Gothenburg. And we invited Anita onto the podcast because we wanted to talk to somebody who had had a pretty broad experience of dealing with the healthcare system in a foreign country. Um, so we know that going to the doctor is never anybody's sort of ideal pastime at the best of times. Um, but when you have to deal with it in a foreign country, it just adds all sorts of different levels of bleh to it. So whether it's, you know, the language thing or a cultural thing or just, you know, navigating a foreign healthcare system can be utterly anxiety inducing. But what if you've got a particularly delicate healthcare matter to deal with. You know, one that might be slightly embarrassing. Fortunately enough, Anita was comfortable to talk to us about some of the situations that she has found herself in while dealing with the healthcare system in Sweden. I think it's best that we actually add a trigger warning to this. So anybody who's particularly squeamish about bodily functions, you might want to skip this episode. So Anita, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. And as I said, it, um, it's so wonderful that people are kind of so geared up, even they're like, yeah, I've never met you in my life before, but I totally want to talk to you. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you end up here? Yes. Um, oh, Lord, where to begin? I moved here for a job to keep it incredibly simple. So I'm from Australia, uh, Melbourne, and I actually studied abroad in Denmark for a little bit. And that was my first introduction to where I'm currently based. And I became obsessed with this company and I was like, I need to get there. So I went on this crazy networking journey uh, from Australia <laughs> to Europe. I quit my job. I just like hung around in Germany for three months, having coffee with people in hope that it would lead me to a job at this place that I'm at now. That's incredible. Yeah, it was wild. I ended up meeting the founders of the company and living with them in Italy. And it was a really insane experience. Uh, also being quite young, I was like 21 at the time and it was just all very surreal. But yeah, so went on that journey and then an opportunity popped up and I applied and I got it. And I've been here now for at the same at the same place for three years. Awesome. That's amazing. I have <laughs> never done that for a job before. I'm going to tell you that right now. I have never moved country for a job. I didn't even do that for this, for, for living in Sweden. Um, are we allowed to name the company? Um, yeah, no, of course. It's part of the H&M group. It's a brand called Monkey. Aha. Mm -hmm. oh, I love Monkey. Yeah, love Monkey. me too. <laughs> Obviously. Um, again, I can understand why you, why, you would, why you had a bit of a passion project to get here. Yeah, I get that. So when you arrived in Sweden, and you started this amazing job. What were your initial feelings about moving to Sweden? Mm, 
You know what? I think I kind of went through the whole imposter syndrome when I first got the job. And when your brain is in that headspace, you're so not kind of taking in mm-hmm. much. You're kind of just on adrenaline or like autopilot. So I, I wasn't, I didn't do much research about Sweden. I had lived in Denmark a little bit before and also in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had traveled back and forth from Europe. So like things weren't totally foreign. I had an inkling, but I didn't know the details and maybe what to expect from the culture specifically. Scandinavian culture in general is so hyped and Scandinavia in general is so hyped. So you kind of go in with this really, um, you've got a pre-existing idea of like it being very like civilized and rich and <laughs> beautiful and the people are beautiful. And I think that was the, that was kind of the the driving force. And I knew that from other friends, they had told me, from Danish friends, they're like, yeah, Sweden, you know, it's a bit like, I guess, the friendlier version of Denmark. And It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Danes. <laughs> and I still love the Danes, love Denmark, but it's, it is, yes. So, yeah, because Kat, you've lived, how long did you live in Denmark for? Uh, nearly seven years. Wow, okay. So yeah, Kat's like a sort of super pro Scandi expert. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and your validation of that has even more warrant than mine. <laughs> it's so interesting though, Anita, that you say that <clears throat> Sweden is hyped, is super hyped, because Kat and I have often talk on the podcast about how Sweden has one of the best PR companies in the world. <laughs> um, because, you know, there are so many... There are so many stories about Sweden. The brand that Sweden has built around itself is tremendous. Um, But stripping back the layers of that brand, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you today was because you have a particular experience in Sweden with the Swedish healthcare system. And it's not something that people talk about very much, particularly from the foreign-born female experience, people who identify as as women. Both Kat and I have had experiences with the Swedish healthcare system being women, um, having given birth and pre and postnatal etc um care um but your story is slightly different um and you know could you could you kind of lead us into that what's the what was how did it all start i don't know where to kind of begin but i'll i'll try it's been a few things so i I, i'll start off with i mean i've had issues with my menstrual cycle since i was 16 um And it's been a struggle even in Australia to get proper support for that and proper answers as to what's happening. You know, like often you get palmed off as it being normal or my favorite one is it just means you're super fertile. (laughs) And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm like, I can't move for three days or, you know, like I'm completely bed bound and, you know, can't do life. My quality of life is going down. And it was definitely a gaslighting venture from, you know, um, female and male doctors and so like just for pre-context even when I was in Australia it was really hard to get support for this particular issue um which I feel like a lot of people relate to so again because Sweden was so hyped I was actually really looking forward to entering a new kind of medical system I thought it was gonna be (laughs) like miracles happening left right center I mean it wasn't so much like that but I also again I went in with pretty unrealistic expectations of that I guess it's just the standard of living because it's so high here um, that, that naturally the services would follow. Yeah, but like I said, coming here, I had the pre-existing issue with my, you know, the menstrual stuff. And then soon into my, uh, I think it was my second year at Monkey, I went on sick leave for burnout. 
And Mm. that was when I properly got introduced to like how everything works, you know, especially even with their psychologists, like their mental health care. Mm. My body had been enduring such high stress for so long that I had just got some weird things happening to my body that was also just like very, I was still quite fresh into adjusting to Sweden. And I guess having to lean on a medical system that was also so foreign in the sense that everything's digitalized and often you don't get help until anyone who's listening, this will sound dramatic, but more of a like, more or less, you need to be kind of like on your deathbed. Like it needs to be really bad before someone, you know, Mm -hmm. books you in. It Mm -hmm. takes a long time to get appointments. And again, a lot of it is online. There's some great apps like Dr. SE, where you can do all the consultation through the app, which is great. But, um, But then when I burnt out and it kind of became my company's responsibility to take care of that, that's when I saw how great it can be. Yeah. Because then I really felt cared for. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also gave me a better introduction as to how everything works. Because before then I was kind of like, I'm also an asthmatic and I, there was a time when I needed an asthma pump and I was like struggling to breathe and no one would take me in. I I couldn't get a, I was like registered at a doctor clinic that was quite far out. Normally you register near where you live, but you can't go to a random doctor's clinic if you're not registered there, which was something that was really interesting. But yeah, those small things really came to me in like a way that I wasn't expecting. Again, because everything's digitalized. Mm -hmm. So you think that when you physically need to go see a doctor, it's going to be smooth, but not often is it that way. So when your company took on the responsibility of kind of seeking medical care for you, Mm. what what changed? I mean, A, there was no language barrier. So that obviously made, made a huge difference. Because as an expat, you're obviously like more vulnerable in that area when it comes mm-hmm. to communications. So yeah, um, I definitely think that was a massive, massive help. And also just them knowing the system and being mm-hmm. able to, for me to get urgent care, I guess, definitely made a difference. I think also, you know, coming from a company, they'll take that concern way more seriously than me, little old expat from Australia. Yeah. Do you find that you were kind of not taken seriously or was it just or was it just simply the language barrier that kind of got in the way? What was the... I think it was a little bit of both. I think also in general, finding a doctor that suits you is quite difficult, takes time, takes trial and error. But I think having like a routine GP is not a thing. And totally correct me if I'm wrong, but that's something that I mm. found really bizarre because... Mm-hmm. You're kind of just like passed on to different doctors each time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's an ongoing issue, I guess you get the same one. But normally that's like in specialist care. But if it's like general care, um, yeah, that was definitely an adjustment. And is that that so? That's very different from Australia. Mm. So what's the what's the Australia healthcare system? You have, I think, a similar thing in the UK. We just have a different name for it. What's it called in the UK? It's um, National Health Service. Yeah, exactly. We have the same thing. It's called Medicare, and basically you go onto that, and it's uh, you just go to like any clinic anywhere. You can do drop in. You can get a regular doctor, <laughs> and it's all done through Medicare. So it's all taken cared for which is great and it is no way near as digitalized but it's definitely way more accessible which is Mm -hmm. something I really miss because then you can kind of build up a relationship with a doctor as well if you even if you're not in private care which I really really appreciate and appreciate more now being abroad. I think that uh, can also vary from clinic to clinic because I know that I mean I have a 
house doctor and I or pretty much 90% of the time I get to see him. I think it yeah, maybe, maybe depends on, on the clinic itself sometimes. I remember when I first moved here, that I'm trying to get my head around the, the model of the healthcare system was really, I found it, it took a long time. And I think it wasn't until I realised that because I had been born into the healthcare system in the UK, that it kind of was just second nature to me. Mm. And that actually, if you are born into the healthcare system in Sweden, it's the sort of same thing. You know, literally you are given your Persone number the as you slide out of the birth canal. <laughs> Sorry for the graphic <laughs> nature of this. No, it's true. And you see, you're absolutely right. There are points within the healthcare system in Sweden where it is utterly confusing for foreigners to access, especially if you come from a country where there is a sort of centralised healthcare system, as it, as it were. Was there an incident in particular that made you kind of go, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore? Oh my God, yes. It's quite graphic, <laughs> so I don't know if it's... <laughs> all right, we're all grown up here, it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah okay all right here we go so um this is definitely tmi but i've got nothing to hide and i'm definitely not ashamed of this experience it's just anyone who has issues with poop stories maybe tune out (laughs) it was when i was kind of coming back to work after my after my burnout and again like my body just wasn't and still is like i'm still very Whenever I get stressed, I normally have physical symptoms before my brain is like computing what's mm-hmm. what's happening. Basically, I got hemorrhoids from being stressed, which was really not fun. I mean, anyone who's had hemorrhoids, it's not a good time. Sitting is not fun. And now, you know, we're in this like working from home life. So you have to be on your bum all the time. And um, mm-hmm. there was a point where like I, I couldn't sit anymore and it was getting really really bad and I and I was getting super worried because I was like what's going on like I felt like I had an intestine or something hanging out of my (laughs) so it was a pretty like it was very uh yeah it was a visceral time for me and I I was like I can't do it and I couldn't get an appointment with the doctor soon enough so I just went to the emergency room at the hospital Mm-hmm. And it was also really intense because it was just when kind of like COVID, the vid, mm-hmm. um, really was kicking off in Sweden. And um, there was like a whole process. You had to go with like a screening before you go even into the emergency room. And there were these two, you know, younger guys um, that were there like manning the tent. And they were like asking about my symptoms. And then they <laughs> asked about, you know, like what's happening. And I just felt really uncomfortable already because it was men and I just you know didn't really want to flash my bum but I also was like I was in tears at this point I was in so much pain yeah and I was like I've got nothing to lose so I'm like I can't sit down I can bend over (laughs) I can show you what's going on (laughs) and in that moment you know they also didn't know English so well and they didn't have a very nurturing energy so it was pretty confronting and I was just so tired as well so like everything Mm -hmm. was enhanced but that moment for me was definitely something that I was like wow I really felt the culture you know Swedish um culture can be a little bit cold they're not as friendly and as chatty as Australians I mean that's kind of what Aussies are known for so it was a very confronting time and then so that had happened and then I got sent in and I had an in, in like inspection done and I'll never forget this moment it was just 
there was this guy that came in who was a nurse. He did not look like a nurse. I didn't know if he was like volunteering or something, but he comes in and he just looks at me and he's like cleaning these instruments. And I'm like, his English was so limited and we were really like just a lot of eye contact. And I was like, oh, you know, hey, <laughs> hi. And he was like, did they tell you what's happening? And I was like, what's, I'm like, no. And he's like, don't worry, you'll be fine. And I was like, okay. As he's cleaning these instruments and I'm like, are you able to explain what's happening? He's like, I'm not too sure. I'm just cleaning this for you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, no. And the limited amount of info that I was getting just from him and like his whole get up was like just sassy and con- it was confusing. And I felt so overwhelmed by the fact that I was like, I'm, he's probably going to come back. He's going to be the person. He's going to be the person who's going to stick this in my bum. <laughs> so he I'm like, sorry. I'm so sorry. please laugh. It makes me feel so much better about all of it. <laughs> I was just like so alone, you know, in those moments where you're like, if only I had someone just to like laugh about this with. And then the doctor came in and it was it was um, a man and then there was two nurses with him. And again, very limited English, super confronting. They put those instruments that the other nurse was cleaning in, in my butt. And I... <laughs> I said to them before, I've been super constipated. I haven't been able to poop. Um, (laughs) I'm really nervous. I'm going to like poo my pants. And they were like, don't worry. It's not going to happen. It's fine. And I was like, okay. So I kind of like, it was super painful, not fun. And then all of a sudden I can feel that I am, it's happening. I'm, I'm, it's happening. I'm I'm pooping myself. It's not fun. (laughs) It was the worst. I was so mortified and I was, also crying and confused because I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, but they said I wouldn't poop. If they just said that I would oh. poop, I wouldn't feel as weird about it. But because they kind of gave me this false security of like, don't worry, you're definitely not going to poop yourself in front of us. If they had just given me, you know, the reality of I'm probably going to shit myself, it would have been so much nicer. <laughs> but afterwards, I was like, no. I just soiled myself in front of you. And now I have to live with the trauma of that. That whole story was definitely when I was like, I just want some friendly banter. I want to make jokes. I want to make this feel okay. But, you know, there was such a huge language barrier and the shock of having to also go like doing this all alone um, was also very difficult. I I mean, the impression that I always got with throughout my pregnancy here was that they, they were very hands off. Um, and that is generally what the, you know, the sort of medical approach to here is, um, which is not too dissimilar to the UK, I have to say. Um, but, you know, there, as you, you were saying, you know, you can't have the same banter. You can't have the same sort of, you know, jokey, sarcastic or self-deprecating banter that we're maybe used to, you yeah. know, as, you know, where we, where we come from, which lightens the moment slightly and lessens the trauma of the, <laughs> yeah. whatever medical procedure yeah. you're getting done at the time. It's like that moment when you find somebody finally in the medical system who, who has trained in the US or the UK and, or has lived there for a couple of years and then has, you know, the, the communication skills to communicate with you mm. clearly in English if you need it. And also just has that, that, that different humor as well mm, yeah and, and it, 
it's it's it could make the, the whole difference yeah mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking anita how how did you find navigating the healthcare system for the gynecological questions that you had what was the difference between australia and sweden you know what i had never really had a good gyno in aussie but coming here i i actually didn't visit one until like quite recently when i was um actually diagnosed with endometriosis which i'll get to but I didn't really know where to begin, so I kept it really simple. Just went on Google and and said, you know, like, gynecologists in Gothenburg. And I found this, like, gynecologist group, and I wrote a very lengthy letter or email. They actually got back to me quite fast, which was great, and I think it's because I definitely... It was, you could sense a desperation in my email. I think it was about a month before I saw someone. And then I did, and she was just a match. I think it was just... Again, she also was great at explaining the whole reason as to why it takes so long for, you know, people with these issues to get diagnosed with endo. And she said it's just like there's not a lot of medical research going around and there's not, not a lot of funding going towards it either. It's um, something specific that they normally diagnose it on. So, like, if you don't have that specific thing, then they won't diagnose it, even though you might have all the symptoms for it. And then I also found out that my, I have a tilted uterus, which also answers a lot of the other health issue I was, issues I was having, like um, IBS and hemorrhoids are also something that's common. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. It all happened very fast as well, getting that support. And mm. she was um, part Russian, part Swedish. So her English was, I mean, it was quite broken, but we managed to get there. She was so adamant on helping me. And that's the difference, I guess, between this experience and my experience in the emergency room was that Mm -hmm. I felt so heard for the first time. And I think that makes a world of a difference when someone just, Mm -hmm. well, when a doctor makes it very clear that they're here to help and they want to make it better and they're not just going to palm you off or make it feel rushed or, yeah. When I I was pregnant I felt the same way about my midwife because um the, the, the huge difference between the UK and Sweden is that there are actually specific midwifery clinics that you go to whereas in the UK what would happen is you would probably end up just going to your local GP yeah and you spend 10 minutes with a midwife every you know three or four weeks and that would be it that's all that you would get but here in Sweden it's like there's a whole entire clinic dedicated to women's stuff. Yeah. There's a whole, um, you know, it, there, you, you see the same midwife the, for the duration of your pregnancy. Um, and, you know, everything, everything, all the stuff that needs to get done goes through her. So there's no kind of difference or change in care levels or anything like that. Unless, of course, you choose yourself, you decide yourself to opt out of that um clinic and go and find somewhere else which you're completely free to do as well you know you're absolutely free to kind of go i don't like this midwife anymore i'm gonna go somewhere else Mm. but she is the only person since then that i've actually felt that's gone oh right yeah i can help you that's it yeah so i guess that's the sort of swedish part of me now is that i'm sort of used to the way that they do things yeah now you know, I'm, I'm used to the fact that if I go to the ward central, I'm not likely to have seen the, that doctor before. Yeah. Was the clinic for you that you went to for your endometriosis private? Um, no, I don't think so. 
I think it's so difficult here with the with the system as well because you can end up going to like a private clinic, but you're going through the public healthcare system, so you don't actually know sometimes if it is a private clinic or not. Exactly, or, and it does you know. make you feel a bit dumb. Yeah. <laughs> And it's really, and it's really hard to get your head around that. Like mm. it wasn't like in the UK where, you know, you've either got private clinics or you've got public and that's it. You know, there's nothing, yeah. not, none of the two are the yeah. same. And you don't Whereas, accidentally slip from one to the other. I mean, yeah. in the UK, it's, it, you, it's an active choice. You have to say, I'm in the public healthcare system. Yeah. Now I want to go private. And, and here exactly. it's, it is a weird thing because, I mean, I've seen a gynecologist here and it's the same thing. I think it's a private clinic, but I yeah. got referred by my doctor. So I went there and I find the whole pricing thing so weird as well, because the appointment that I made with my GP, mm. where then he finally agreed to refer me to a gynecologist, that cost a mm. set price. And then when I went to see the gynecologist, that cost less. And I'm like, how? Yeah. How can a gynecologist <laughs> appointment with a specialist where I get like... 40 minutes in the room with her cost less than yeah. the two and a half minutes it took for me to say to the doctor look I really want this to be sorted please refer me mm, yeah you know it, it's such a, a weird system there's no transparency I find in the in the pricing no at all. that is actually a very good point yeah which I feel like that's something that is very obvious in Australia you know exactly how much you're going in for and that's nice because I mean you know, there are situations where maybe you don't have, you know, the disposable income to pay for what they've yeah. just signed you up for. So it is a bit daunting in that sense. If you go by region, because, you know, healthcare in in Sweden is decentralised. So it's dealt with not by a central governing body, but it's dealt with by each commune. So yeah. each commune essentially has their own way of doing things as well. So it's not even, <laughs> it's, you know, doubly more confusing. How, what happens in Stockholm doesn't happen, for example, in Gothenburg. Or and they all have their own computer systems as well. And they all have their own, yeah. <laughs> and none of the computer systems are... Um, comparable with each other. So no. if once you're in one system, that's it. You would have to transfer everything manually. If yeah, which you know, I I understand that that's in place for security reasons and for privacy reasons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, information is not passed between agencies and so forth. Um, but in a day and age when they love to digitalize all their records, it does seem a bit pointless. I agree. <laughs> One thing I, I do like the digitalization though that you can just log into one one place yeah. in, in your local healthcare authority and then mm -hmm. see all the notes, you know, all your prescriptions, mm -hmm. yeah, every visit you've made, the notes the doctor's taken. I think mm -hmm. that that has been mm -hmm. that's great. Um, I've had some experience with the the mental health care system here in Sweden a little bit very brief I mean you said that it was you know you kind of were really impressed by your experience because it was dealt with through your company so how what differed in terms of the experience from say for example the one in the hospital that you had at the emergency room and the one and and you know this seeking mental health care I mean I think anywhere in the world having mental health care um, like access to mental health care is such a massive privilege and normally you know the waiting list and finding the right psych you know the journey that you mm. go on to get support is stressful in itself which contributes to it's like a bit of a Huge paradox thing. so it's 
I was very, very lucky and I was very hyper aware of the privilege that I had because my company was obviously the ones that were dealing with all the processing and the paperwork and I didn't have to do so much of the searching myself. So in the beginning, I actually kind of stayed with a psych um, that I didn't really connect with, but I felt like I was getting what I needed in the sense of like just a space to talk but I didn't find that I was getting much help. Like, I didn't feel like it was constructive. I kind of just felt like this is a nice space to have with someone who can give me an objective perspective on things, even though there was a massive language barrier. I'm already quite active in the self-help world and mental health and finding my own resources and communities. So I'm, I'm quite involved in all of that. So I definitely felt like I was providing a lot of my own answers in the sense in regards to getting a toolbox and etc. But... Mm-hmm. I think because I felt so, even then, I felt so wrapped up in the privilege of getting access to support that I didn't even check in to see if I was actually getting the support, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I guess it's not so much reflective of the system itself, um, but it was definitely a reflection of how I was feeling um, towards getting leverage, I guess, because of my company. And then I recently found a new psych, Um, I stopped going for a little bit because I kind of was like, okay, I got what I needed. And then I was like, I'm going to try again because again, I have the leverage of my company and I know that again, it's privilege, but I'm going to take advantage because I need this. And you also kind of go through the process of guilt, I guess, when you've got that, you've got that leverage, at least for me anyway, because I know that I have friends here who are Swedish, who are struggling to get support, um, because it just takes so long and it's also quite expensive Um, so I was definitely wrestling with that, but then, you know, I decided that I need to, can't support others if you don't support yourself. So I, yeah, I decided to find a new psych and I did. And thankfully she's amazing. I found a real connection with her and I actually like had a session with her just last week where I just started bawling because I was. Like, wow, you're actually helping me. Like, I know this is your job, but I'm actually feeling helped. And that was such an overwhelming (laughs) feeling because a lot of the time you go to these psychs and it does become disheartening because you're you're trying to get support, but maybe you don't gel with them. And also there's the language barrier, Mm. which is definitely a thing. Um, uh, But then you find it can just be literally their tone of voice or their way of being a good listener that, you know, is actually helping you. And I think it's always good when you're going to see a psych in general, just to know kind of in advance, what do you want to get from it? What are you looking for? You know, I think if you go in kind of expecting that they're going to fix everything, it's damaging in general. If you were speaking to your self before you arrived in Sweden, you were saying, listen, you know, all this shit's going to happen. And, you know, I just want you to know what would you want your younger self to know about your experiences with the Swedish healthcare system? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think to be persistent, to be more persistent, because I think it's very easy to get disheartened quite quickly. And that's what happened to me a lot of the times, is that I just kind of gave up. And I mean, I dealt with the period pain for so long in Australia that I was like, you know, the few attempts that I had here, I was like, ugh, what's the point? And then eventually, you know, 
I also had like, I think the pandemic makes you question so much. You have so much more time to think and question and reassess. And, you know, that also was a contributor to me being like, what am I doing? Why am I being passive in all of this? Like, yes, it's frustrating, but it's also my life and it's my health. And Mm -hmm. there's no point kind of ruminating in this feeling like a victim of the system rather than just like figuring it out, trying to use it to my best advantage. And it paid off. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely pass on the wisdom of persistence and resilience, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, you do have as an expat in general, but maybe just crank it up a notch. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's one of the the greatest skills that that you have as an expat is the, the building of those, of that sort of persistence and resilience. And it's the small things like finding a doctor yeah or you know knowing where you can get your prescriptions filled or <laughs> you know just t- t- tiny little things like that that when you just start out kind of break down your confidence in yeah. yourself a little bit but as you as you as you start to gain a little bit more control over where these things are yeah um that's how you build your confidence back up and 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 you suddenly realize that oh my god i'm really doing this in a different country i think the problem as well with a with a healthcare system is that you know you've you have this idea of doctors being at this sort of high level they've got all these years of training all these years of experience so there is like this this thing where doctors are you know i put on a pedestal so it's it's quite difficult even in your own country to turn around and say to the doctor look i i really don't think you're understanding what I'm saying or I want to push forwards with this or mm-hmm. so having to do that in a new country where there is the language barrier whether you don't understand mm-hmm. exactly how the system works because you've not been born into it 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 it's such an added layer on top of this already difficult mm-hmm. system of turning around to somebody who you've been told all your life that you should have this enormous respect for and saying like I actually don't think you're you're understanding what I'm saying. I actually yeah. don't think that that you're taking this seriously enough, or that mm-hmm. you're trying to fob me off. Or it, I think it's it's difficult enough in your in your home country. Absolutely. Mm. You did say that the language barrier was a problem. Yeah, definitely. It is difficult when you're in a situation where you feel quite vulnerable with your health, and you're trying to. You need to be met in the middle, right? Yeah. It needs. It can't just yeah. be. Mm. I find myself trying to diffuse the situation so I feel comfortable rather than the situation being made comfortable for me. Yeah. But I definitely spend more time like ooh, warming up the place, like trying to create an environment for myself so I do feel comfortable to talk about what I'm about to talk about. Sometimes, you know, I'd walk away from a situation kind of self-diagnosing because I wouldn't be happy with what was said. <laughs> yeah, I com- I totally, yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, that's what I've been doing. I'm spending, I'm getting better answers from Dr. Google, I think, than I am from <laughs> the people that I've seen so far. Were you ever offered an interpreter? One time, yes. I missed an appointment because I was sitting in the wrong part of the clinic. <laughs> and then I realised... Oh after like 40 minutes, I was like, man, they're not coming to get me. This is so strange. This is very unswedish. And then so I went to the reception and they're like, oh, no, you're sitting in the wrong part of the, the clinic. She's like, but it's probably good that you actually didn't have this appointment because her English is, she can't, she's not, she's like, she can't speak English. So you need an interpreter. So that was the only time that someone was like suggesting that I should get an interpreter. So they rebooked a time with her. Um, with an interpreter. What was that experience like with the interpreter? I haven't had the the booking yet. I haven't had the appointment. Oh, okay. I'll have to get back to you. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's interesting that that came about because it was the clinic's belief that it was the doctor that was the issue there, mm. rather than anyone having said to you, would you like an interpreter? Would you feel more comfortable with an interpreter? That it was like, oh no, the doctor yeah. has a problem with English. I mean, it is, it's, there's a law, it's called patient logan. Mm. Patients have the right to request an interpreter whenever. Yeah. Anita, is there anything, like, is there anything else that you would tell somebody who was coming to Sweden for the first time about the healthcare system here? I would say, get on the apps, kind of inform yourself of where you're maybe going to be living so you know the closest clinic to you. I think mm -hmm. that's also really good to know. Just kind of be a little bit more informed, inform yourself. <laughs> And also don't mm -hmm. be afraid to lean on, say, Facebook Uh, groups or social media like communities so that when you do have these questions you have kind of like an adopted family to lean on because when you're an expat the friends that you make are so much more intense because they do become your adopted family it's a it's a whole new kind of community to dive into and I think when you're initially moving somewhere you know you're going to meet people of course but I think leaning on other other expats is so important Like, mm. even, yeah, you don't want to be dorky, the one that's making a Facebook post to hang out and have a glass of wine or something. Those things, you know, are so important. I think that's the whole part. You're stepping outside of your comfort zone already. So mm. I think um, not being afraid to reach out for these things in, um, in these larger groups where you're like, hey, I'm new to understanding the medical system. Can someone kind of hold my hand through it? Mm. I think that's mm -hmm. so important. That's something I didn't do. I was kind of, I don't know, I have traveled quite a bit of before. So I kind of felt like I can do this. I can figure this out. But I, I look back and I'm kind of like, man, if only I had just like let my ego down and just, <laughs> just lent on some people, it would have been a lot less daunting. And I would have felt um at least i would have like people to laugh about these experiences with i couldn't agree more i think um arming yourself with as much information as you can and 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 you know spreading your you know seeking out as you said that adoptive family mm. before arriving is, is such an important part of even if you have yeah. family here in the form of a partner's family or something else having your own crew your own crowd is super super important yeah. because they're seeing it from your perspective you know your 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 outsiders looking in yeah, perspective exactly and this goes beyond the medical system definitely totally it, it touches on every single aspect of life abroad mm. and i think it then trickles down into sort of growing that autonomy and being independent by yourself and not having to rely so much um especially on your partner if that partner is swedish yeah cat do you have any other questions for anita no i think i just want to say thank you so much mm -hmm. for joining us and sharing all your stories with us it's hopefully that gives some some others out there the the courage to turn around and, and yeah. ask for more and ask for what for what they deserve in the healthcare Definitely. system. And, and yeah, and, and you know, as you said, having the courage to be persistent. Thank you, yes, thank you so much, Anita. Just um, hearing these experiences are vital for people to feel like they're not out there by themselves. Um, mm, and yes. that's partly the, partly the point of this um, 
podcast is to make sure that you know people who are out there listening know that there are people going through if not the same similar things as them yeah definitely i'm so uh, thank you so much for asking me to be on thanks cecile she's the one that suggested it so. thanks cecile <laughs> yeah you need to tell us how it goes with your with the interpreter yes i will i definitely will <laughs> and i and i hope that anyone who's listening there are going to be embarrassing moments with the medical system wherever you are in the world even if you're in your home country but i think it's really important to just like keep it light don't let it rule your life because i think yeah. that's also something that yeah like everything just feels yeah. so much scarier when you're alone and abroad. Yeah. Even if you have a bad experience, it doesn't mean to mean that all the others are going to be the same. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. As ever, you can rate and review us via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, uh, Stitcher, basically any good uh, podcasting platform. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore Swede underscore ish and also on Facebook. We now have a Facebook page called The Swedish Podcast. So please help us by uh, going over to those platforms and liking and following and letting us know what you think. Bye. <laughs>